Hello everybody! Welcome to episode 5 of Legends of the Batman. My name is Michael Kaiser. And I am Michael Bradley. Uh, and the goal of this podcast is to cover everything Batman from the beginning. Each episode we take a look at a month worth of Batman material, starting with his first appearance in Detective Comics number 27, released way back in April of 1939. This episode uh, we'll be taking a look at Batman material released in August of 1939. Uh, which again consists of one comic book, this time uh, Detective Comics number 31. Yep. And I think this might be an interesting show because it's, uh, I think it's going to be the first time that Michael and I really disagree on the uh, <laughs> quality of the story. So. Yeah. It's bound to happen eventually. So. Oh, yeah. Here we go. We, we got four episodes in. <laughs> All right. So you just want to get on into it? Sure. All right. Uh, Detective Comics number 31. It was released sometime around August 10th, 1939, and it had a September cover date. Mm -hmm. It had the normal 10-cent price with a 64-page count. The cover artist was Bob Kane, and it's got a really great cover that shows uh, a red hooded figure uh, carrying a blonde woman up a rocky cliff to a castle. And then there's a large figure of Batman sort of looming in the sky in, in the background uh, yeah. behind him. So, really, really cool cover. Really awesome, yeah. Um, there's a blurb in the lower right that kind of previews the story inside. It says, Powerful and awesome, the mysterious Batman again appears to oppose the evil forces of a terrifying master of crime known as the Monk. And that's the first time that the, the story has actually been promoted on the cover. Yeah, it's true. Um, the, the one thing I don't like about this cover is Batman's horns are just ridiculously large. Yeah, that doesn't I, seem to be going away. No. I joked uh, last uh, last episode that they look like rabbit ears, and yeah. here they really do. It's rabbit man. <laughs> yeah. uh, but there has been uh, two homages to this cover. Mm -hmm. One was by Neil Adams in uh, Batman number 227 from 1970, and the other was more recent on Batman and the Mad Monk from 2006. And that was the first issue of a six-issue miniseries that sort of re, uh, retold this story we're about to cover and updated it into uh, quote-unquote current continuity. So, Yeah, the Neil Adams um, tribute is, is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Batman 227. Everybody check that one out if you haven't seen it already, although most of you probably have. I noticed, though, on both of those uh, recreations that the monk has dogs. Oh, really? Huh. All right, so the story inside the book, the Batman story inside the book, it didn't have a title originally, but in reprints it's called it's been called Batman versus the Vampire. And it was written by Gardner Fox with pencils by Bob Kane, inks by Bob Kane and Sheldon Moldoff, and letters by Sheldon Moldoff, and uh, Vin Sullivan was the editor. And our story begins with Batman leaping through the night skyline of New York City. He jumps from rooftop to rooftop in search of something. On the street below, a man is being menaced by a raven-haired woman who seems to be in some sort of trance, and she claims that she's been sent to him by her master, the monk. The Batman tosses down a rope, pulling the man to safety, and then leaps, to, leaps down to confront the woman. The Batman realizes that the woman is Julie Madison, Bruce Wayne's fiance. He shakes her back to consciousness and takes her home, avoiding her many questions. He then bids her goodnight and makes an exit. The next morning, Bruce grabs his trusty pipe and visits Julie. After she tells him about the events of the night before, Bruce suggests that she visit a doctor. 
The doctor tells Julie that she exhibits symptoms of, of someone who's been hypnotized, but since she can't remember actually being hypnotized, he recommends that she take a cruise to Paris or Hungary. And as if that bizarre suggestion wasn't enough to raise an eyebrow, Bruce notices a trance-like look in the doc's eyes and thinks something might be amiss. Regardless, Bruce buys one ticket to Paris for Julie and, after telling her his concerns, sends her on her trip. Back at home, Bruce sits on his bed in his underwear, musing over what Julie would think if she knew her future husband was the mysterious and totally awesome Batman. A little later, Bruce suits up and checks out two new tools in his arsenal, a bat gyro vehicle and his batarangs, before taking the pilot's seat and the bat, the bat gyro and taking off. The Batman soars through town, scaring the wits out of the people below, then out to sea until he sees Julie's ship. Setting the automatic controls on the gyro, the Batman lowers a rope ladder and boards the ship. Julie spots him and catches, up to, catches him up to speed on why she's on the boat. Suddenly, out of nowhere, the monk appears and puts a mental whammy on the Batman. The Batman is able to fight through the hypnosis, however, and toss a batarang in the monk's general direction. The monk dodges the throw, and the Batman beats a hasty retreat back to the Bat Gyro and flies on to Paris. Once arriving in the City of Love and Lights, the Batman makes an extensive search for Julie and the monk. Finally, he comes across the monk's castle with Julie asleep inside. The Batman enters the castle but is confronted by a giant ape. The Batman dodges the beast's attack and falls through a trapdoor and is caught in a net suspended in midair in front of a large throne where seated is the monk. The monk mocks Batman, then flips a switch which reveals a pit of snakes below and causes the net to start slowly lowering down into it. The Batman uses a toss of a batarang to flip the switch again and to also shatter a nearby chandelier. He grabs a piece of the falling glass and begins cutting his way out of the net. But the monk flips the switch again and the Batman leaps free just as the net falls into the pit of snakes. The monk makes a run for it, and the Batman gives chase, but finds himself again trapped when a set of iron bars drop between he and the monk. The monk reveals he's leaving Batman to die while he takes Julie to Hungary, as the giant ape from earlier in the issue slowly descends into the cage. But the Batman again avoids the ape's attack and is able to climb free of the cage via the pulley system that had lowered the beast in inside. As he reaches the top, a gun-wielding guard takes aim but the Batman makes quick work of him with a batarang and pursues the monk. Giving chase in the bat gyro, the Batman follows what he believes to be the monk's car. He lowers down via a rope ladder and lands on top of the car, and then tosses a gas pellet inside, causing the car to swerve off the road and crash into a tree. The Batman realizes the monk wasn't in the car after all, but he grabs the now unconscious Julie and makes a run once more, boarding the bat gyro. He then sets course for Hungary and another date with the monk. To be continued. <laughs> um, so right off the bat, this story just kind of aggravates me. And what? let me uh, rant a little bit and then you can choose to agree or disagree with me. But um, okay. okay, so there's a caption that you know goes into who Batman is. And then it says he's now fighting some guy named the monk who has powers of Satan, the powers of Satan. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, Batman's jumping from rooftop to rooftop and comes across Julie going to choke. Uh, does it even say who this guy's, what this guy's name is? It, does, it doesn't give him a name. Okay. No. So this Just random guy. Citizen. Yeah. And uh, so if that, if that's all it did, that'd be fine. I mean, we've, we've had coincidences like that already. 
on the show. No big deal. And superheroes jump from rooftop to rooftop and encounter things all the time. But I just hate this this dialogue. He says, soon now and I shall know. It's like, soon now and you shall know what? I don't even understand what he's talking about. It's like, this is part two of three or something and we forgot to read the first part you know i don't i don't get what it's saying and then well he's that, looking for something yeah but what and it never really goes into why or who or and then and just to keep ranting a little bit longer i instantly thought you know every other issue we've had so far bruce wayne has has figured out you know what to do as batman by either sitting around reading a newspaper on his on his green couch or mm-hmm. um you know <laughs> hanging out with Commissioner Gordon or something like that. But here we have an actual character in Bruce Wayne's life being affected by the monk. And should we use Bruce Wayne to figure that one out? Nah, let's not. Let's just have Bruce or Batman running around saying, soon now and I shall know. Instead of like, you know, calling his fiance and saying, you know, hey, Julie, it's been four months. Let's go on a date. And then she says something weird like, must go kill man right now. See you later. <laughs> Click. And then he could say, oh, maybe I should investigate that. That doesn't sound like her. Um, that would have just made much more sense than this this opening to me, which just I don't know. It See, just I, seems like it's out of nowhere. I just took it that they skipped over all that and just didn't need you know they didn't really feel the need to go into all that. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like it was understood. Yeah. You know, we're throwing we're throwing you right into the middle of Batman's case and okay. catch up as we go. But I don't. I, I guess I don't understand it's, what his case all it is. It's not well done, but yeah, or it could have been done better, but. Like what? Especially since we're introduced to Bruce Wayne's fiance, who yeah seems like a pretty important person in a you know a man's life. But like I don't even get what the monk is doing. Like he's he's possessing really beautiful women to go around in their bathrobe and kill men <laughs> for no reason. Or yeah, that's know, what's not really the point? Explained. I was hoping maybe part two would yeah would explain it, and I and I haven't read part two in ages, so neither have I. I didn't want to read ahead and right and find out, but I. I can't recall that being the case that it actually explains anything, but I guess we'll see next episode. Um, but yeah, it just seems like this guy right here who remains nameless in the green suit is so scared of her. And it's like, what is so scary about her? Um, I don't know. She doesn't even have a gun or a knife or anything. Brains. Brains. Yeah, exactly. She's just a really, really pretty zombie. But anyway, that's, that's just how my, uh, how my mindset started. And then it just kind of, went from there i mean there are some things in the story that i really like but yeah beginning really really uh, annoyed me yeah well uh to get into the story itself right off at the very top of the page there we've got uh the bat symbol with batman's head on it and uh the word batman mm-hmm. spread across it uh, similar to the well-known bat logo that will surface pretty soon yeah it's very much like the uh you know that really well-known like the 60 the one they used in the 60s um, except it's got a golden age head on it, obviously. Well, this is uh, the one they use on Batman number one. Yeah. Pretty much all through the golden age looks about like this. Right. The lettering is different, but the, the mm-hmm. logo is similar. But, and like we've already said, he's still got those ridiculously long ears. Mm-hmm. Not, not quite as bad as the cover, but. No. Um, they're they're uh, a little more under control this time, I think, than. Yeah. But still, they're. they're a lot longer than they were even in the first three issues. Yeah, and I've never really been a, a fan of him having you know long ears. I don't know. Even artists that do it today, it just seems kind of silly. But but oh well. Eventually it'll it'll change. I know the Silver Age. He 
he just has ears that go don't go past the top of his top of his head. So yeah, they'll get there eventually. Uh, yep, and he's got bigger gloves this time too. They go yep. kind of to about the middle of his forearm. So yep. that's one step closer to the traditional and closer. Costume. Still no uh, fins or whatever you call them, but and they're still mm-hmm. blue, but they are getting longer. So that's good. Yeah, these look more like um, oh, like electrician's gloves, dishwashing know, but, gloves. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> heavy-duty industrial work gloves. Yeah, right, right. Rather yeah. than just kind of dainty little gloves to keep his hands warm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, well, you want to talk about the big development here on this first page? Yeah, absolutely. First panel. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We we get revealed that Batman is for the first time we get revealed the city he's operating out of, and it's New York City. Yep. So, and um, Metropolis was first named in the Superman comics in the Daily Strip from June 7th, 1939, which was about two months before this was published. And so do you think they read that and were like, hey, maybe Batman should actually have a location? Well, I wondered if it was, you know, something they were taking off of the, of the Superman strips again mm-hmm. or if it was just coincidence. And interestingly, the first time it was named, it was Metropolis, New York. Ah, so you know. See, I wasn't sure because here's I'll read the caption because it's really short, but it says, "Through the dark of a New York night." So mm-hmm. that could be New York City. It could also you could also read it like an Oklahoma night or something. You know, maybe it's the oh, state. Oh yeah, okay. So maybe it's a uh, Metropolis, New York, also, or New York, New York, or Gotham, New York, or or I don't know. You're right. I just, just read it as New York forget. City, but you're right. It could be either one. It could be, um, but it is interesting because eventually I don't think Gotham or Metropolis have a state, do they? Not really in the comics, no. No, it's kind of like just a one of those things where you never quite know where it's located on the map or right something like that. Yeah, they don't get that specific. Right. Well, like in the comic books, anyway. Uh, for Metropolis, um, like in Smallville, it's in Kansas. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And then. In well, the Chris Reeve movies, I guess it is kind of a surrogate New York, but New yeah, York City because of the, the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. I always wondered about that. Did he just fly to New York, or was that in the Metropolis? But anyway, <laughs> that's a Superman podcast, I guess. I like this opening page though, with him leaping through the night and jumping from building to building. It's very yeah, very Batman like. And this uh, this second panel where he's kind of crouching on top, ready to jump. I think they're going to use that again. On his infamous uh, origin story, because mm-hmm. I I recognized it at first. I couldn't figure out where I saw it before, but I think that's where it's going to end up being again. And I think this is one of those poses that that is said to be swiped from a another comic. Oh, uh, really? Maybe a Tarzan? Yeah, I saw that somewhere uh, online. They think that it was swiped from a Tarzan story, Edgar Rice Burroughs Tarzan strip. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because it's kind of weird. It's like he's about to leap or something. But yeah, he's jumping from uh, building to building, and I thought it was interesting that they weren't using his rope for once. Yeah. Which they seem to be have been heavily, uh, you know, focused on lately is his rope that he uses. But now he's just jumping freestyle, I guess. Mm-hmm. But anyway, again, like I said before, I don't know what Julie was specifically going to do to this guy or why. But uh, I says I have been sent to you by the master monk. So clearly, the master monk. Wants her to do something to him, presumably kill him, maybe kiss him, maybe hug him. I don't know. I really don't have anything to say. I mean, I see what you're saying about it. 
but yeah. I, I I don't really have anything to refute your argument. But uh, yeah. I guess I just don't see a big of a problem with it as as you do. So yeah, but it is interesting that you know he has a fiance. That's another big development. Oh yeah, two big developments in one in one issue. Even if she's not wearing a ring. Oh really? Yeah, that's <laughs> true, huh? Yeah, but we've been complaining, you know. Or at least I've been complaining the last few episodes that we don't really get any Bruce Wayne, you know, the life and times of Bruce Wayne. Actually. Right. So here we other go. Than we, that he's friends with the commissioner. Right. That's the that's the one time we've seen him do anything other than read, <laughs> or you know, pick up a letter. Um. So now we actually have him. You know, he's engaged, so he actually does do something in his life right. besides be Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, even if that's just a cover, but who knows? Uh. But it does still it – still it comes out of nowhere that, oh, Bruce Wayne has a fiancé. Yeah. And they're getting around to telling us. Yeah, I would love to know if that was always part of the plan or if they just decided we need to give this guy something to do or – Probably just – you know, they probably realized that, hey, we haven't really expanded much on his personal life here. He needs a, a love interest or something. That, that so. Superman guy has a Lois Lane who comes up every so often. Right. We should yeah. do that too. Um. But I, lo- I think it's funny that he pulls this guy up onto the telephone pole to save him, and then his he says, "Remain until I give you leave to go," and then just leaves the guy there. Did he ever get him back down? That's what uh, I want to know. I don't we, think so. Because he he jumps down and sees Julie, who he probably should have recognized her before he jumped down. You'd think, but <laughs> he only sees her every every four episodes. So, um, but yeah, it's like. Where, if I was that guy, I'd be like, where the heck am I supposed to go, dude? Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. The part where he's uh, driving Julie home as Batman mm-hmm. is is it very much reminded me of that scene in the 89 film. I had to know about that, too, when he's yeah. after rescues Vicky. Yeah. And she's just doing all this talking. Who are you? What are you doing? What do you want from right. me? He, he says absolutely nothing. He might as, he should he should have just like put a spotlight in her face, too. That way. <laughs> Always uh, that scene. That's a great scene. Well, with this, with as small as the car is, though, I don't know if he has. This this panel is just very badly drawn. It oh yeah. Like driving a clown car. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he had a lot of bat gear in the back seat, and they had to push their seats up really close to the window or something. Uh, all you see is, for those of you who aren't following along, uh, you basically see Julie's head in the in the windshield, mm-hmm. and then Batman. Has his uh, he's driving you know with his hands on the steering wheel, but they're real close to his chest, uh, like he's in one of the little uh, toy cars outside of the supermarket, and it's just yeah. I think perspective was just not Bob Kane's friend. Right. Yeah. I think it's funny that uh you know she keeps asking him who are you you know what do you want why aren't you talking to me and then as he he takes her to her apartment without her telling him where it is, and then tells her you know tell your fiance Bruce Wayne all that happened good night and then he takes off. And the, she doesn't think, you know, how did how did he know that I was engaged to Bruce Wayne? You know. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, Batman not especially secretive about his secret identity. No. So then the next day, Bruce grabs his trusty pipe and mm-hmm. heads over to visit his girlfriend or his fiance rather. And he's mm-hmm. got a new jacket this time. Oh know, yeah. Huh? Very very cool plaid <laughs> plaid number. But is it just me or does Julie not come off as a likable character at all? I mean, we don't see her much throughout the story, really. But in this page here, page two, is where we see her the most, and she just doesn't come off as a likable person to me. Um, I saw that in your notes, and I think that's another thing I disagree with because I don't think she comes off as a person at all, really. I mean, 
Well, maybe just, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't seem to have any personality. First she's hypnotized, and then her she's just like, you know, hey, Bruce, something really bad happened to me. That's about the most she says in the issue. Yeah. And then, you know, he's just always, the whole issue, he's kind of going around patting her on the head. There's a good girl, do what I say, you know. <laughs> so, and I know this is the 1930s, so that's just kind of probably common. But um, that actually goes to show that, you know, by comparison, how how uh, maybe better, I don't know much how better uh, the character of like Lois Lane is, who actually has a personality, even if it's a bad personality <laughs> at this point. Uh, but at least she just doesn't go around, you know, doing what she's told and kind of going along with the plot. Yeah. And she creates the plot by drugging her coworkers, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> doing whatever she can to get what she wants. Yeah. When she's, um, when she's, uh, like when Batman leaves, she looks angry, though. Like she's yes. annoyed. And then the next day, she's talking to Bruce. She's sitting on the couch. She's got her arms folded, and she's just very kind of standoffish. Like, Bruce, there is something I must tell you. A man dressed as a bat, an enormous bat, found me last night on the street about to kill a man. So she was about to kill. That's why I said, there's your answer. She was going to kill him. The yeah. Nameless, nameless yeah, that's guy. true. There you go. But Why? <laughs> See, that is still yeah. coming back to that. Why does the monk want that guy dead? And why use Julie to kill him when Julie has no idea how to kill anybody? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's a special forces trained government <laughs> operative. Yeah. And they just yeah. haven't gotten been telling us that yet. You're right. She is kind of mad in that in that panel where he's leaving, but yeah. And then the, and when they're in the doctor's office, she's got her hands on her hip and she's all like, "That's true." Know, so I guess. Know. Dialogue-wise, she seems nice, and maybe the the way Bob draws her her the body uh, language, her body language is yeah. just yeah. But you know, she went through a lot. Maybe she's just upset. I don't yeah, know. could be. Plus, she's got this doctor who's recommending that she goes to werewolf country to <laughs> to relax. Now, see, I picked up on that. That I, I saw in your notes that you were annoyed by that as well. But it's you know the Bruce says that in the narration says that. Bruce Wayne notices his staring eyes and wonders. Mm-hmm. And then later Bruce tells Julie that uh, it looked like he'd been hypnotized himself. So I just took away from it that the monk was controlling the doctor as well, especially since the doctor told her to go to Paris and Hungary, which are the two places that apparently the monk has you know, operations. Right. Um, I agree with you. I told, The monk was obviously controlling him. I just think okay. it's hilarious that – you know, <laughs> why did Bruce go along with it, I guess, is my question. It's like, well, he so, wants us to go to yeah. the werewolf country, and he's obviously hypnotized. So see you later, honey. Go to werewolf country. Well, he followed her as yeah, Batman. Yeah, so basically he's using her as bait, it seemed like. Maybe yeah, he was. Batman's there to protect her. So. Yeah. But um, we get some even more cool information in this uh not information. We just get two new cool gadgets in this uh, issue. Mm-hmm. Or Actually, what? can we can we, can uh-huh. we uh, talk about the, the panel where Batman is in his bedroom or Bruce is in his bedroom? Yeah. Why is the bat cowl just hanging on the bedpost? I don't know. And why is Bruce sitting around in his underwear thinking about it? That's. I don't know, but if we if we have any uh any any female fans out there, first appearance of Bruce Wayne in his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> For anybody who's interested, um, but yeah, it's like he's mid-changed, and then he just decided, you know what, I need to sit down and think for a minute. <laughs> um, anyway, on to the cool new gadgets that we got. Yeah, so 
not just cool new gadgets, but also a new location. It's some sort of hangar. Mm-hmm. Whether it's attached to his house or not, I don't know. But in it, he's got the bat gyro, which um, I read. I looked it up because I was I was just interested if he because I know about the bat plane or the bat wing, but I I don't recall him ever you know flying a helicopter before. So um, it said it was a precursor on Wikipedia. It says it was a precursor to the bat plane, and according to uh, Les Daniels, it was inspired by Igor Sigorsky's first successful helicopter flight, uh, which hap- which supposedly happened around the time of this issue. Hmm. Um, but then I looked that up, and it said that didn't happen until September 1939, and this issue was supposed to have come out in August, so I don't know if that's true or not. Or maybe the issue release date is wrong. Well, this it just seems more inspired by a, an actual gyro than a helicopter. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know, but uh, it's cool. Yeah. And we also get the first appearance of the Batarang, mm-hmm. which is pretty much just like a normal boomerang, but it's uh, scalloped on one edge. Yeah. Uh, so. I mean, it, it pretty much looks like his. I mean, it's a little longer, but it looks like the Batarangs he uses now. It's just, uh, it's spelled different, and he his the function is different. Instead of it being like a you know a throwing star or something, he's using it as a boomerang. Right. Um, but that was actually uh, somewhat. Ahead of its time, I guess you could say, because the boomerang fad didn't hit the states until the 50s. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting that they would pull something out like that from. Well, you know, Batman, he's he likes to keep his finger on the pulse of technology. <laughs> um, but then anyway, he takes off, and I love this panel where he's uh his see his bat gyro. And if you're not following along, and why the heck aren't you following along? Seriously, yes. but if you're not following along, the bat gyro is shaped like a like a bat. So this is the first vehicle we see of Batman's that's got an actual bat motif. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, the, yeah, this and the the Batarang are the first mm-hmm. really bat-themed mm-hmm. weapons in his arsenal. So before this, it was just a car that looked like a car, and it was, you know, gas pellets that obviously don't have any real shape to them. Um, but, yeah. And, and, you know, that kind of surprises me that the bat gyro appeared before the proper appearance of the Batmobile. Yeah, I guess it, because the Batmobile has just become such a big part of the, you know, the mythology. Well, it is, it, and it, it's it's interesting that as of this issue, they realized that they could start doing you know bat-themed weapons and vehicles, mm-hmm. and I don't think that the bat the Batmobile shows up soon after this either. So you'd think they would have instantly no. jumped onto that. I looked that up a few days ago. I think the we don't actually get a real Batmobile until the forties. I think. Yeah. So, so I don't know if it's because the bat gyro has wings, and so they instantly thought, "Hey, bats, wings." It could or, be, yeah. Or, but you know, even the batarang—they're calling it the batarang, and it's got mm-hmm. scallops. And but they just keep using his regular old car. That's kind of funny. Um, like I was saying, uh, it flies out, and because it's the shape of a bat, it looks like a silhouette in the night. You know, flying in front of the moon, and everybody's freaking out. <laughs> you know, the end of the world. We are attacked by Martians. Look, a bat. Yeah. You think that was inspired by War of the Worlds? Could be. Could the very Martians well be. Reference just, uh-huh. It just kind of sticks out for me. Yeah, that that does seem. That guy was kind of weird. It's like everybody else is saying, oh, look, a bat, a giant bat. And then he, a Martian! <laughs> it's like, Phil, it's not a Martian. <laughs> um, but, and not to compare to Superman, I am going to do it because we always do it. But and I don't know if it's because Superman's the only other character going on right now that's a superhero. Um, him and Sandman, yeah. Him and Sandman and and the Crimson Avenger, uh, 
but I don't think that's the reason because I always, for some reason, compare Batman to Superman and vice versa. But I just like the difference. I mean, obviously, when Superman ends up eventually starts flying around, everybody's happy and waving, and you know, right. ba- Batman takes off and the and the whole city <laughs> becomes terrified. I love Freaks it. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, we missed the first back on page three. Oh yeah. The first, the first mention of Wayne Mansion. Oh yeah. Because before we just. It, it hasn't been clear where Bruce lives. I mean, it could be an apartment for all we knew. Right. Uh, but here it actually says it's Wayne Mansion. Back at Wayne Mansion. So he has a mansion. And you could infer that that hanger on the next panel is part of Wayne Mansion, but again, maybe not. What else? Yeah, I don't – they don't really say. It just says in a secret hangar and only to himself. Yeah. So it could be – but when we see him on page four mm. – it looks like he's flying through the middle of town, so yeah, it's hard to tell. And he's flying real low too. I wonder if he's purposely flying by just to scare the <laughs> crap out of him. He looked like he was having fun doing it. He does. I like that panel right afterwards where he's just looking down. <laughs> no dialogue, no caption. He's just checking him out, all fleeing in terror. They they seem to spend a lot of time on Batman taking off and then flying out to sea. I mean, we get we get like huh? a, a whole page of just. Getting in the bat plane and taking off and then flying out to meet the boat, which they've been doing that. They, you know, up until then it was whole pages of him climbing up buildings or yeah. So now he doesn't have a building to climb. He's got a bat gyro to fly over the ocean, which is kind of refreshing, actually. Yeah, but still, you know, in the first two stories, there were six pages and we felt like they could use more pages, and now they've got them, and it just kind of feels like they're using them to show Batman moving from one place to the other. Right. Right. Instead, instead of, of explaining who the why monk is. Madison is trying to kill people. Yeah. Right. Right. I totally agree. They've done that the last the last three issues or so have just been, you know, it's like they just fill it with fluff, yeah. or let's just show off what Batman can do instead of giving us plot while he's doing it. Speaking of flying, though, this uh, little bat gyro that he's flying in doesn't quite seem powerful enough to fly all the way to Paris to me. Yeah. I guess you could argue that, but on the on the other hand, you could say that it, it's Batman technology, so <laughs> maybe it is. I don't know. Okay, so you're willing to buy some kind of unexplained <laughs> Batman technology, but you're not willing to buy that the monk is evil once the oh, guy did. I, I guess I'd buy it. I just want to know why. But. <laughs> and, and also, here's another nitpick maybe why why even do all this gyro stuff why not just go on the trip with his fiance she's right there that's a great excuse to be there just yeah but if buy two tickets if batman suddenly appeared on a on a boat oh yeah because he's yeah. he's cared so much about right people figuring out who he is he just goes to pick up letters and uh whatever yeah it's more dynamic i guess he just has fun buzzing the crowds and New York. And we got to see the Bat Gyro, so I guess I'm not going to yes. complain. It's his first vehicle. Yeah. It's fun. Right. Um, so anyway, he makes it to the boat and jumps down, and Julie's like, hey, it's you again. Yeah. And she, I, she, I, she should be a little more freaked out, uh, I think. It, it, Her reaction here doesn't really match the reaction she had when she first met him, yeah. the way she was describing it to Bruce the next day. Well, maybe she's starting to, you know, dig on him or something. <laughs> he has that effect on women, right? It's it's a love triangle. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what they were trying to set up. Um, but anyway, it's like out of nowhere, all of a sudden, the monk shows up. Um, I uh, want to talk a little bit about the monk's appearance. I kind of I skipped through it in my 
synopsis. Uh, but okay. for those who don't have the comics, the monk is – he's sort of tall and thin, and he's wearing a red robe and a red hood with what looks like brown gloves. And the hood has like a skull and crossbones on yeah, it. Yeah, right. And he's got very uh, long fingernails. Yeah. But he uh, – this is the first quote-unquote supervillain, I guess, in the sense that he has – he seems to have supernatural abilities, or at least one. Yeah. Maybe it's just a you know a natural ability that he learned, but either way, it's not just a normal guy. He's using hypnosis on Batman to try and you know suck the strength out of him, or um, what did they say? Try and uh, hypnotize him, I guess. So that's something new. It's not just a you know a bunch of thugs with guns. Right, and it's nice seeing Batman fight somebody mm-hmm. besides a thug or a you know henchman or something. So, but then he you know Batman uh, breaks free of the monks hypnotic attempt because you know batman has awesome crazy willpower um but then he just leaves yeah he just leaves his fiance there with the villain on the ship where she cannot escape or do anything so yeah it's like that's nice again maybe that's just his plan to 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 uh, i don't know maybe he he assumes the monk isn't going to do anything to his his minion but yeah i guess but i don't know i don't think i'd I'd leave my fiance there, but that's just no. me. Unless he was expecting, see, maybe he was expecting the monk to be on the ship, and that's why he put Julie there. In which case, why even go down to the ship? So yes. I don't know. Either way, it's just another scene to me that just didn't seem to ring true. But much like this next scene, which I actually am gonna maybe cave on and defer to your notes, but initially when I read it, where he's on the next page, he's like going around Paris, I guess, looking for her. Uh-huh. And to me, it seemed like he was just jumping around from rooftop to rooftop and car to car and, like, looking through windows trying to find her. And I'm thinking, geez, that's going to take you forever. But then I read your notes, and you mentioned that he was, you know, investigating as he went. And even though they don't necessarily show that, it's probably true. So I'll just go with yeah. it. Yeah, he looks all through Paris, and it only takes him, let's see, five panels before he finds Julie. And in a modern-day comic, it probably would have taken three issues so and the caption does read the trail leads elsewhere so i guess he has is actually following a trail he's not just running around the city right and i would have i wouldn't have minded actually seeing a little more expanded on that you know yeah beating up some thugs or or how he found them got on the monk's trail yeah Uh, we see him looking in like a a bar Mm -hmm. and then jumping on top of a of a uh cab Mm -hmm. and scaring the cab driver and then finally at the monk's castle. It kind of reminds me of the – now that I think of it that way, it reminds me of uh, The Killing Joke where uh, there's just one page where he's doing all these – there's like six um, you know, panels with no dialogue and he's just interviewing people the way Batman interviews people <laughs> um, you know, to find the Joker. Kind of the yeah. same idea. It's just like, okay, he's at a bar. Now he's on top of a car and finally he finds what he's looking for and we just assume that he knows what he's doing and he – and he got there to encounter a really weird-looking mutated gorilla. <laughs> first um, beast, I guess you could say, first, that he has had to fight. First non-human? Yeah. First assuming non-human. the monk is a human? Well, assuming, yeah, we don't know that yet. Considering the story is called Batman versus the Vampire, I'm going to assume <laughs> the monk isn't a human, but... You're spoiling ahead! I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just guessing. Uh, um, but yeah, the gorilla. I don't think gorillas are Bob Kane's strong suit because it kind of looks like a wear gorilla or something. 
maybe it is a mutant. Uh, yeah. Some kind of wolf-gorilla hybrid. Absolutely, it could be. Um, but but he falls into a booby trap. Yep. First time. First time someone actually captures the Batman. They tried a couple issues back and failed, but first successful uh, trap sprung. And I really like the way he gets out of this, actually, even though um, there probably oh, yeah. might, there might have been geez. easier ways, but eh. it was very cool. Yeah, to see him throw the batarang up and uh, not only flip the switch, but smash the chandelier and then use the glass to cut his way out. But Although you'd think he would carry something so simple as a pocket knife. Right. Right, so. or use the batarang to cut it out because it seems pretty sharp. But uh, I do think it's funny that here's the monk. Is it the monk or one of his henchmen? It's the monk. Yeah, it's uh, the monk here, and then the henchman comes in later. And he just, I could just see him. You know, it doesn't show it, but you know, he he flips this panel to lower him in, and then the Batman instantly throws his batarang and flips it back. Like <laughs> I could just see him going, Ooh! you know, just annoyed. Yeah. Fine, I'll flip it again. <laughs> and he does. And so. Yep. Uh, but yeah, um, oh, he even he even sounds a little frustrated in the, in the dialogue, yeah. a heroic gesture, but a futile one. The yeah. lever will remain down this time. <laughs> and he's like holding his hand there. I'm just gonna keep my hand right here. Um, but it's too late. The Batman has glass, and he cuts his way out and avoids the snakes. Snakes. Uh, it had to be snakes. Yeah. And and then once again, this is kind of funny. I didn't think of this before. I mean, I thought it was funny when I read it, but now it's even funnier thinking about. Um, first the monk flips that panel down and he instantly <laughs> knocks it back up. But then, um, as he's chasing the monkey encounters that were gorilla again and, and, uh, just climbs up the, the rope they lower the, the gorilla down with. So that's, yeah. Funny. Yeah. After he, yeah, he, he, um, he cuts his way out of the net and then jumps up to the balcony where the, uh, where the monk is. Mm-hmm. And, um, which is quite a leap. That- yeah, I didn't know. I thought maybe he might have climbed up because there's like a chain holding down the the rope that he was caught in. True. I thought maybe he might have climbed up that and then just leaped leapt over. But mm-hmm. but yeah, it is pretty good sized leap. Um, this these two panels here. That's about the most fluid we've seen the cape though when he's leaping onto the balcony and then. Yeah, it's really nice looking, and it's blue. Fact, yeah. Do we see the Batwing cape at all this issue? Yeah, I that think we do in the opening. That, first, scenes, don't that we? second panel we talked about. Okay, yeah. That he swiped he from Tarzan. The ball, mm-hmm. And then when he's throwing the, the uh, when he's testing out the battering. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah, but it is getting more and more capey as we go here. Yeah, and look here, I just I just noticed that when he he's chasing after the monk and then these bars drop and the monk says, "I'm going to take Julie to <laughs> my castle in Hungary and feed her to my werewolves." Stupid villain! So that's Stop his... monologuing. Just kill him and go. Well, that's his plan with her. Apparently, I didn't realize that. I thought he was gonna keep using her for whatever, because she's a, a trained assassin. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so he that gorilla is super huge on that. Yeah, he uh, grew a lot in the <laughs> in the, in the two three panels there. Pages, yeah, yeah. Um, so then we get our our henchman that comes out out of no out of nowhere. Yep. And tries to shoot Batman, which doesn't go so well for him. Nope. First person to fall victim to a battering. <laughs> Not the last. No. Nope. Um, think this henchman was, was another Cossack? Yeah, of course. <laughs> they work cheap. <laughs> um, then I was got to wondering, the bat, or 
when he finally Batman finally escapes this mansion, um, his bat gyro is is waiting for him. Mm-hmm. So does that suggest that he has some sort of remote control ability with this thing, or? Well, it says a couple there? times that it has automatic controls. So. Oh, so there you go. Right. Uh, but great shot when he's he's tailing who he thinks is uh, the monk in a car. The the bat gyro is a shadow like. Oh yeah. It's cast over the car. It looks really right. cool. Yeah, it looks like a giant bat just looming over the car. Yeah. So then he uh, he climbs out of the bat gyro, mm-hmm. climbs down the rope ladder, and jumps onto the car. And the action or the art really really doesn't show it, but this is a pretty action heavy stunt here. Yeah. When you think about it, I mean, jumping out of a moving plane onto a moving car, and then riding in the car into a tree. From a rope ladder. From a rope ladder, yeah. Yeah. Um, I couldn't do that. That's for sure. <laughs> I could. Oh well. I'm awesome. Yeah. Well, you're shorter than me, so it's just easier <laughs> for you. You have more center of gravity. Okay. Uh, but I, I think you and I had the same note on this one. Who the heck was driving the car if the monk wasn't yeah. in? Yeah. He gets Julie out of the back seat, so it wasn't her. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I was thinking maybe it was her under hypnosis or something. No, he, he's climbing into the back seat of the car to get yeah, her. Yeah, so. good point. So it's just I, a henchman. I guess, who's he probably, probably dead now. <laughs> he probably broke the guy's neck yeah. off camera. Hey, is this the first issue where he didn't kill anybody? Yeah, I had that in uh, one of my overall comments. This is the first time where he hasn't explicitly killed anybody. Oh, I mean, there's, man. there's the possibility of the guard with the uh, with the gun. I don't know if he killed him or just knocked him out with the batarang. Yeah. And then there's the mystery driver of the car that might have died, but it's never said. I think if he killed that guy with the batarang, the, cap- the sound effect would have been snap, not sock. Yeah, good point. So I'm gonna we say we may have to put those as asterisks on our kill count on the website. Yeah, I'm gonna say he didn't kill anybody. Okay, that works. Uh, so there you go. Is this is this a whole new direction for the for the Batman, or is this just a minor <laughs> setback for the guy? We'll see. Just a temporary reprieve. You can't kill yeah. somebody every issue. So. <laughs> I guess not. Um, uh, do you think Julie was knocked unconscious in the wreck, or was she knocked out by the gas, or was she already unconscious? Well, it could be at the very least the gas, if not already unconscious. We don't ever, we don't really see how she got in the car or what, right? How the monk was holding her in the castle or any of that stuff. In fact, Batman's kind of lucky that she was even in the car. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, because she could have still been. Well, I guess she, I guess the monk did say he was taking her with him to go feed werewolves. So, so she probably wasn't in the castle anymore. Which- which turns out to be a lie because if the monk wasn't in the car, then ah uh, yeah, see yeah. it wasn't it wasn't monologuing it was psyching the Batman out misdirection okay yeah genius when he after he rescues Julie he heads to Hungary which <laughs> where I assume he will confront the monk next issue so yeah, we'll see maybe not <laughs> maybe Batman will spend the entire ten pages going dang it he said he was going to be here <laughs> in this issue. Batman looks and finds nothing. <laughs> and in the last panel, Monks in Vegas, 21, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, first uh, story to be continued. Lots of firsts. Um, I thought, I don't know, I, I liked this issue more than you did. I, I will admit that it has some unanswered questions, but mm-hmm. maybe they'll be answered next issue. They could be. We'll see. I highly doubt it, but I'm, I'm going to guess that 
if I had to bet anything that there's going to be even more questions as of next issue, but could be, I guess we shall see. I mean, I, there are things I like about it. I like the introduction of the vehicle and the weapon and, you know, I, I don't know. It's like the story just had too many what the heck moments for me. And I also think the art seemed to be worse than ever for some reason. It was um, just not as strong this issue. Pages four through six are nice uh, where Batman confronts the monk on the uh, ship and then gets to Paris and goes searching for Julie. And then as uh, the ape aside, I guess, mm-hmm. but, um, but the rest, it just seemed kind of sparse on details. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and you know, sparse on character details too. And I know, you know, based on the last, what is it, four issues we've covered so far, that uh, you know they're not really into necessarily giving origins or something. But usually, you at least know, okay, Doctor Death wants money, or this guy wants money, or this guy's stealing jewelry. Right. What the heck does the monk want? What is he doing? Um, we just don't know anything about the guy, like nothing. So it was just kind of weird. Well, maybe we'll find out next issue because maybe. on this last panel that previews, it says, continue the thrilling adventures of the Batman and his combat against the mysterious monk. Yep. What plans does the monk have in mind? Why does he want Julie? See the next issue of the Batman. Okay. So maybe they'll tell us. So be back next week and we'll see. Hopefully that's not false advertising. Yep. They better tell me. <laughs> they better tell me why he wants Julie other than werewolf chum. You hear that? 70-year-old comic? Yeah. You better tell us. Yep. We're going to want our dime back. So, if uh, people can't track down this 70-year-old comic, where the heck can they read it? Oh, lots of places for this comic. It was reprinted in the 100-page Super Spectacular from, I'm going to say the 70s. I didn't uh, make a note of the issue or the year on that one. 73. 73, all right. And it was reprinted in the Greatest Batman Stories Ever Told, which came out in the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, not to be confused with the similar version that came out a few years ago. And it was in Batman Archives Volume 1 and Batman Chronicles Volume 1. So I guess this, because this is like his first supervillain or something, they've decided to reprint this a lot, maybe? Could be, yeah. Or so maybe it's just not as bad as you say it is. Yeah, that could be. Maybe, <laughs> maybe no one asked my opinion. Rocketed as a beam from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman in the Bronze Age is a weekly podcast following the adventures of Superman from 1970 to the Burn reboot in 1986. Follow along at supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com. So, stories that weren't reprinted, at least as far as I know. Uh, in addition to the Batman story, we have a, a one-page Crime Never Pays filler, again, by our editor, Vincent Sullivan. Cool. We have a one-page uh, comic filler called Policeman by Paul Gustafson. Six pages of Buck Marshall. He's back, guys. Uh, Buck Marshall range detective called a story called Killer's Bait, and it's by Homer Fleming. Um, oh, not to interrupt you, uh-huh. but if we can go back to that crime never pays, this is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it gives the origin of the of the nickname Cop. Really? It says, it says, the origin of the nickname cop for policeman comes from the old verb cop, meaning to capture. A copper is one who ca- catches another. Uh, so I didn't know that. 
you can learn things from old comics. You can learn things from comics, yes. So yes. when 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 these bad adults are always telling you not to read comics, <laughs> you just tell them, "Hey, I learned things." That's right. Um. Anyway, back to Buck Marshall. No, Buck Marshall's over. Buck Marshall, oh. six pages called "The Killer's Bait" by Homer Fleming. Another six pages for Bart Regan's Spy called "The Mystery Plane" by Jerry Siegel and Mart Bailey. Uh, then we have Larry Steele, who's well, I don't think he was in last issue, but he's back again. Larry Steele, Private Detective, by Ken Ernst. And then a two-page uh, text piece called Newspaper Nightmare by Gardner Fox. Uh, Speed Saunders is also in this issue. Six pages. The Mammoth Mystery by Fred Gardiner. And Bruce Nelson. Six pages by Tom Hickey. Cosmo, the Phantom of Disguise, who does not disguise himself yet again. Six pages by Sven Elvin. And lastly, the the big 13-pager called The Zoo Murder, starring Slam Bradley by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. And this story, yet again, opens with him punching somebody. And he's proclaiming... Slam Bradley does a lot of punching on people. Yeah. And he proclaims, thought that was funny, eh? Well, this will put you in stitches. <laughs> <laughs> so, there you go. That's elsewhere in uh, this particular issue. Well, let's look at what else is going on in the world of comic books around this time. Yep. Um, Something really cool. This was actually a pretty big month for DC. Uh-huh. Uh, they had, between the six books that DC had, and well, National, and the three books that AA had, that makes nine books total, which is the most they've put out uh, in their whole existence. So. Wow. And you could have had the whole lot for 90 cents. God, can you imagine yeah. that? Wow. we got to get a time machine. Uh, let's see, there was Action Comics number 16, which nothing real notable about that other than it is the first time that Metropolis is named in the comic books. Uh, like I said earlier, it was first named in a newspaper strip a couple months before this issue. And there was the final issue of Movie Comics number 6. Aww. Aww. Mike's going to miss the Movie Comics, I think. I am. <laughs> and there was Adventure Comics number 42 with a very cool... Craig Flussell's Sandman cover. Not as cool as the Batman cover, but... Okay. And there was Mutton Jeff number one. And I don't know too much about this book other than it's all reprints of newspaper strips and that it only comes out once a year until oh, okay. 1942. So. so like the way comic books used to be. Yeah, yeah. And there was Superman number two, which reprints three colorized versions of the uh, stories from the newspaper serial. And there was All-American Comics number 7, which has a blurb on the cover announcing a contest where you can win $25 in prizes. Wow. wow. 25 bucks. Yeah. Well, that'd buy you like two years' worth of comics, so. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was another issue of Action Comics twice again this month, and uh, number 17 had the return of the ultra-humanite. Uh-huh. Um, other books that were out around this time were four-color series number 1, which had the first comic book appearance of Dick Tracy. So that's pretty cool. Another detective. And we had uh, a pulp magazine called The Avenger from Street and Smith, which had the first appearance of the pulp hero The Avenger. Uh, he'll later be in uh, a book called Justice, Inc. from DC. Hmm. And last but not least, there was Marvel Comics number 1 from Woo-hoo. Timely, Woo-hoo. Yep. which had uh, 
We'll see what they have in it. Human Torch. Which had, which had competition. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it had uh, the Human Torch and Namor, the Submariner, and Kazar, and the first appearance of a character called the Angel, mm-hmm. who is a super a non-powered detective hero that wears blue and yellow and red and is nothing at all like Superman or Batman. So. <laughs> yeah, kind of a I guess a, a weird character, but he I just recently read a miniseries called The Marvel The Marvels Project and he's heavily featured in that and it actually was a pretty good read, so oh, yeah? at least at some point he gets used coolly, but I don't think in the Golden Age it was it's worth reading necessarily. But you know, I have never read any of these No Golden Age Marvel stories? No. There, Is there anything there, spectacular uh, about this one? You're the Marvel guy, so. Uh, you know, well, a first appearance of Human Torch and Submariner, you know, mm-hmm. can't beat that. Right. Um, I think, I mean, mostly I've read Captain America Golden Age, which isn't too bad. But I think as far as comparing DC and Marvel in the Golden Age, DC probably wins out. Um, I'm not sure if that's always the case in, in every decade of publication of these two companies. But uh, Marvel Golden Age is kind of weird. Um, what well, not to say that TC isn't obviously. I was gonna say yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, eventually Marvel finds itself. I don't think it was in the Golden Age so much, but um, it's worth a read. First appearance of the Human Torch, I think, was pretty good. All right. So next week we'll be looking at the Batman, uh, the world of Batman from September 1939, which includes the wrap up to this story that we covered in this episode from Detective Comics number 32. And it'll answer all our questions about the monk. It will answer all our questions, so be sure to come back. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, please, we invite you to stop by our website at batmanlegends.com, where you can see show notes, including links and images from this and previous episodes. At the site, you'll also find the links to the RSS feed and iTunes. Please feel free to leave us an iTunes review if you'd like. Uh, it really helps people find the show and know that it's awesome and worth listening to. You may also follow us on Twitter as well as Facebook, and you'll find links to both of those at the site as well. And lastly, there's the email address if you want to send us any feedback or drop us a line and tell us how cool we are and let us know your thoughts. You can do that via the contact form on the website or just email directly to podcast at batmanlegends.com. We also ask that you please visit our partners, uh, Batman Yesterday, Today, and Beyond a fan site for Batman comics, toys, figures, news, and more. And they'll be posting whenever we have new episodes there as well. So head on over to BatmanYTB.com or just click the link in the sidebar on our site, BatmanLegends.com, and be sure to check them out as well. I also visit you to check out my other solo show, The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, where I'm exploring through the history of Superman via his earliest adventures. And you can find that at GreatCrypton.com. Thank you all for listening. This has been Legends of the Batman, and we will see you next time. See you next week. Batman was created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, and is copyright DC Comics. Mm-hmm.